Are you ready to make 2017 the year you transform your life? You can wait for something to happen, or you're actually going to decide to go, go home after this weekend to do something about that. We all know that we have a very, very limited amount of time on this earth. So let's not have repeated years. Live your own life. Make the choice, make the decision for your own life. Fear is where you develop courage. There's a moment going, holy crap, all right, I'm gonna do this now. The wellness breakthrough is coming. And so you actually have that choice every single morning, every single day, every single moment to decide whether you're gonna live it to the fullest or not. Join myself, Marcus Pierce, and the wellness guys, Damien Christoph, Lawrence Tam, and Brett Hill for two nights and three days of transformation at the country place. 10 acres of breathtaking rainforest in the Dandenong Ranges of Victoria, February 17th to 19th. It's each and every single one of you are gonna support each other in your journey, whatever that journey is. Couples discounts available, limited spots remaining for all information and to watch the spine chilling video, go to thewellnessbreakthrough.com. Thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. The Real Food Real is a fresh and educational podcast dedicated to your health. We get real on current research, debunk food myths, and educate you on how to just eat real food. Your host, Steph Lowe, the natural nutritionist, is one of Australia's leading sports nutritionists, passionate about simplifying nutrition and addicted to coconut lattes, smoothies, and sweet potato. If you love the show, then please leave us a review on iTunes. Share the real food reel with your friends and continue to spread the real food love. Hi team, and thanks for joining us on The Real Food Reel. Today on the show, we're joined by Lucy Lichtenstein from Reconnected Me. Lucy and I are going to discuss all things sleep nutrition, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi Lucy, and thanks for joining The Real Food Reel. Hi Steph, thanks for inviting me. Really looking forward to this topic, and I'd love for you to start, um, before we dive into it, with a little bit of information about yourself, your health journey, and your background in the nutrition space. Yeah, absolutely. So my health journey really started about six or seven years ago, and this is really where my interest in health and nutrition really began. So I was doing a one-year volunteer program overseas uh, which involves spending six months in Denmark and then six months in Malawi and Southern Africa. And it was really interesting. I, I found a sort of common denominator in both places where uh, the nutrition was was kind of poor from what I saw. So in, in Denmark, uh, you know, the kids would have uh, Coca-Cola and cigarettes for breakfast and there was lots of cakes and pastries and, and other kind of processed food products and sugary things. And, and of course, it's different, you know, wherever you are, but in, in particular where I was, I saw a lot of this. Uh, and then by contrast in Malawi, uh, you know, a lot of people over there where I was, they would have their beautiful fruit and vegetable gardens that they would maintain themselves and then they would, uh, you know, go to the to the local markets, and and a lot of the time, what they what they would do is they'd sell this beautiful food, uh, but then use that money to buy 
some of the processed foods that, that you saw in sort of sort of near the western or sorry near the the areas uh, because there was a bit of western influence there and they've also got something in their diet which is known as enzima and that's basically a staple that's made out of maize flour and water and so it's not very nutritious but you did see that everywhere uh, because it was a staple and so being in these two places for that one year really just opened my eyes to, to food and to nutrition and, and to health and, and it really got me thinking and I realised how much it kind of affected me to see this uh, and so much so that I kind of thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe I could go back home to Sydney after this and I could study nutrition and, you know, we had a lot of time to think about things in that time. Um, you know, I was doing some different work within the communities that I, you know, uh, in terms of uh, working with preschools and uh, teacher training colleges and HIV support groups. So I got to see kind of a lot of what was going on there in the communities with their food. And I, I decided, okay, I'm going to go home and study. And that's exactly what I did. So I was studying nutritional medicine at a college in Sydney. Uh, and what was really interesting about that was around the time that I, I started studying, I also discovered the medium of podcasting. So this was maybe about five years ago. And the Wellness Guys was actually one of uh, the first podcasts that I listened to. And for me, some of their episodes in particular, there was one talking about the they were debunking the food pyramid and up until this point, you know, that's what I was taught, that's what I kind of knew and they were they were kind of turning it on its head and it really made me like it opened up my eyes to, to thinking about food in a really, really different way than I ever had before and so that kind of set me on this journey of just learning as much as I could about nutrition and, and it's also on the Wellness Guys is where I started to hear about paleo and for me, that really, it made sense. And so I actually um, changed my diet to a paleo type of approach around about six years ago. And I saw some amazing results. So the, the asthma that I had for 26 years of my life, something that I thought that I was going to have to manage with medication, um, that I was just going to have to deal with it. It was, just, it was just what I had. It actually disappeared within about a week. And that blew my mind because you know, this really showed me the medicinal effect of food and, and how powerful food can be. Uh, and and then in addition to that, uh, you know, it taught me, sorry, I, um, I experienced a lot better, more even energy throughout the day. Um, I started not to get sick again, which was really strange because I was getting sick all of the time, like at least a few times a year. And so that was super amazing for me. And it really kind of set me down this path of looking at not just food, but like what else is there that perhaps maybe we've you know got backwards and and maybe there's there's another way and you know it really made me think about what we were here for on a larger scale as human beings and I, I learned that you know we were part of this beautiful ecosystem of nature and uh, then it made me think about well if we, we were designed to eat particular kinds of foods and we're probably also designed to you know, move in a particular way and to sleep in a particular way, which we'll talk about today, and, and really to, to live in an environment that we were designed to live in that allowed us to express optimal health uh, just so long as, you know, if we gave it the, the right inputs, the healthy lifestyle factors that I know you, Steph, would talk about a lot on this show. Uh, and then really where my story fits in with sleep is uh, 
I've actually had my own sleep issues for about four years or so now. And, you know, I see it as probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Um, it really has become one of my greatest areas of education. And just from having my own issues, I've had to really dive into the research and I've had to try different things and, and, you know, I've gained all this experience and, and knowledge. And so, um, the, the good that's come out of it is, is that I can, I can really channel that to help others in a way. And, you know, so about four years ago, uh, I started waking up at 3am every night and I had no idea why, uh, was trying to figure out, you know, was there something in my life that I changed? Uh, was there something stressful that was going on? Was there a deeper issue going on? And I, yeah, I just wasn't sure. And so doing what I, what I did with the food and what I did with all the other lifestyle things, I started to really dive into sleep and I tried, you know, different types of sleep hygiene strategies. Um, I tried different types of therapies as well. So I mean, I was doing chiropractic already, but even acupuncture and, and other types of things like that. And I, it wasn't really addressing what was going on with me, but it was, you know, until I could kind of figure that out, I was trying to sort of do different things to help. And I went to see a naturopath and we did uh, a number of different functional medicine tests. So for cortisol and DHEA and uh, for like stool tests for parasites and um, a few different things like that just to see if we could figure out what was going on uh, and, you know, some some gut health tests as well and, uh, you know, went on a particular protocol for about six months to a year and, you know, there was a few improvements in terms of the other things but it wasn't really helping with my sleep and so I kind of just went on this like a couple of year journey of just, you know, trying all these different things and, and the big thing that I made sure that I didn't do because I, I'm very well aware of um, stress being something that can sort of negate all the other good things that you're doing and so I, I said to myself, okay, I've got this sleep issue and, you know, it is what it is at the moment. My body's very capable of healing and it's probably going to take a bit of time so I'm not going to stress because I don't want to undo, all, 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 you know, all the other good things and so, um, you know, fast forward to maybe about a year ago and I found this functional medicine doctor um, just by listening to a podcast and he's based in Melbourne. I don't know if you know him, um, Dr. Bruce Jones, Steph? Yes, I have heard of Bruce. Yeah. yeah. So he was talking about heavy metals and that's something that I hadn't really tapped into yet, although I was aware of it. And I thought, well, you know what, like I've tried all these different things. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll see if I can, you know, look into this. And so I've, I've been working with him for about a year now. And what we've seemed to be able to narrow down is uh, we did the heavy metals test and then we did a whole bunch of other tests to just kind of uh, get a, a better picture of a whole view of myself and, and my body. And there's a few different things going on, but there was definitely some heavy metals and some detoxification things going on as a result of that. And so I've been on this protocol for about a year now, which has actually slowly, slowly started to see improvements in my sleep, which I'm super happy about because obviously it's pretty painful when you, when you don't get that good sleep. And so, uh, yeah, that's been really, really great. And, and then I guess, you know, my website that you mentioned at the beginning, reconnector.me, so I started that uh, midway through last year, 2016, and that was just after some encouragement of some friends and, and all this knowledge that I kind of gathered over the years, and I, I wanted to be able to help and share it with more people. And so 
uh, yeah, I've got my website up there and uh, I do have a, a four-part sleep nutrition series up there too just based on what I've talked about, the experiences and the, and the research that I've done to, to help people too. So, yeah. Awesome. That's where things are at for you at the moment, which is excellent. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, like I love what you said earlier about taking that holistic approach because I think for so long with health and back through the food pyramid and the calorie counting days, we kind of just looked at health and wellness as a matter of food and exercise and that sort of not so magic calories in, calories out equation. Mm -hmm. But we now know that to be well and to optimize our health, there are so many things that, not so many, but there are other things I should say that are really important to to include and to prioritize and, and sleep is, is huge. So let's start with that. You know, why is sleep so important in terms of our health and wellness? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, just being a human that's, that's awake and that's going through life and doing things all day, you're basically in what's known as a catabolic state. So your body's breaking down and, you know, uh, we need it. We need a way to be able to repair ourselves and to build ourselves back up and to regenerate our our bodies. And so that's what the sleep state is for. And you know, when we're sleeping, our bodies are not just kind of lying down there for eight to ten hours or have, however long it is. It's actually going through so many different processes. So you know, there's there's a tension that's directed towards the strengthening of the immune system. Uh, our hormones are also being balanced while we're sleeping. Uh, and then there's there's lots of um, activity towards uh, what's going on in our brain. So there's memory consolidation, which, you know, short-term memories turn into long-term memories. And then there's appetite regulation. So I think many people uh, may have experienced that you don't get a, a good night of sleep and perhaps your appetite is out of control. Maybe you're craving sugar um, or something like that. Uh, so yeah, that's a, that's a huge part of it is appetite regulation. Uh, there's there's energy production processes. There's digestive functions happening. Uh, there's repairing of of cells, tissues, and organs. Uh, and then our brains have a, a waste removal system called the glymphatic system, and that's highly active as well while we sleep. So you can imagine that if you don't get the high quality sleep that your body really needs you're not going to have a chance for all these really important processes to be completed efficiently and effectively yeah absolutely so much going on during that time that we often take for granted you know our body is such an amazing machine absolutely it's so intelligent and uh, it's got all these processes that that allow us to to really be healthy and to thrive in this world yeah. Yeah. So I'd love to keep going with this topic, but direct it more to our athletes, if you will. So why sleep is super important in relation to athletic performance and recovery. For sure. So, I mean, straight off the bat, sleep literally is a performance enhancer. So we just talked a bit about the repair and, and rebuilding that happens during sleep. And, you know, this is especially important for athletes who need to perform at a high level. Uh, you know, athletes need high quality deep sleep to especially uh, and effectively repair and rebuild those cells and those muscle, muscles and those tissues that can be damaged during training, broken down, uh, yeah, during training or, or when they're actually performing in their sport. And, 
know, basically all the other functions that happen during sleep are important for them as well. And, and, you know, for the same reason, getting good sleep can, can help reduce the occurrence of, of injuries happening. Uh, and, and lack of sleep also really means that you're more likely to be fatigued. And, you know, there have been several studies to show that fatigue negatively affects reaction time. Uh, which I know is important for athletes. And, you know, an athlete that's tired is, is slower to react on the court or on the field or whatever ca- the case may be. Uh, and poor sleep and fatigue can also impact the immune system. So, you know, leaving not just athletes but people in general more susceptible to being sick or to getting sick. And I guess the other thing to mention is is that when you're sleeping, your brain is being repaired and regenerated and as we mentioned before and memories are being consolidated so great sleep is imp- important for that cognitive function that's important for athletes to 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 be at their best so whether it's focus memory uh judgment and even decision making you know this is all enhanced while we're sleeping and these types of things are, are greatly important for athletes to be able to perform well in their sport um and and it really means uh, you know, there's less room for errors to be made, I suppose you could say. Um, and there was actually a study done out of, I think it's Stanford University in the US, where they monitored a, a university basketball team. Um, and what they did was they instructed were instructed to extend their nighttime sleep to preferably up to 10 hours, but they kind of said to them, you know, sleep as long as you can. And they did that over a seven-week period. And then they measured things like shooting accuracy and sprint timing after this time, and they saw great improvements. And that was the one major thing that, that they had changed. And you no know, sleep is is starting to become quite recognised, I think, in the athletic world. I mean, I looked this up um, earlier, and some of the top performing athletes in the world are actually using sleep as part of their training strategy or the performance strategy, and they they're really valuing it. So people like Usain Bolt, so the Olympic sprinting champion, and then tennis players like Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, Maria Sharapova, uh, Andy Murray, so really, really big names that are doing really well out there, um, Michael Phelps, the swimmer, LeBron James, the basketball player. Uh, so I really think that, I mean, for anyone, but in particular for athletes, sleep is really a secret weapon. I mean, of course, you know, nutrition and training are super important. uh, But I think it's, you know, sleep can be the difference between, you know, one person and the next, I would say. And, you know, it it greatly supports things like their motor skills and focus, as I mentioned before, uh, super important for muscle recovery. And uh, it really, it even helps to keep them in better shape. So preventing things like weight or, or fat gain. So, yeah, sleep is super important for, for athletic performance. Yeah, definitely a secret weapon. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the science or I guess a little bit more about how it actually works. So in regards to sleep and our circadian rhythms and our melatonin production, can you just mm-hmm. kind of set the scene there with that topic and then we'll talk about perhaps um, what doesn't work in that kind of scenario? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll just mention that, you know, the natural design of, of sleep as a human, I suppose. So from an ancestral perspective, historically as humans, uh, we would have gone to sleep just after dark and then woken up with the sun. 
And, and this is really an example of, of living in alignment with the cycles of nature. So our, our bodies really evolved uh, to respond to the light and dark cycles of the sun and the moon. And then there are also different uh, colour spectrums of light that they're influenced by. And our circadian rhythms or our internal body clocks, they run in alignment with these cycles and, and these colour spectrums. And we evolved with natural blue light from the sun and natural orange light from the sun, uh, as well as orange light from fire, so candlelight as well, and then even the moon and the starlight. And so you'll notice that during the day the sky is blue and, and that's what our bodies were designed to be exposed to. We want to get that blue light, the natural blue light from the sun and from the sky. And uh, that signals our bodies that it's daytime and, you know, to perform its daytime physiological functions and, you know, specific daytime hormones and, and other things that happen that, that are supposed to happen when, when running in alignment with these cycles. And then in the evening, when the sun begins to set, you'll notice that the sky is an orange or a red or a yellow colour. And that's not necessarily the sky turning these colours. What you're actually witnessing is the removal of the blue frequency of light. So, And that's because we don't want to be exposed to that blue light at night time. Uh, and so the sky axis is really a filter of sorts. And, and what we're left with is, is the frequency of light that, our bodies evolved within that we were designed to be exposed to at night time. And you know, this is also when our bodies start to produce our sleep well hormone, melatonin. Uh, and so that's really it's an example of, of the intelligence of nature and, and helping us prepare for sleep and for having a, a, an optimal sleep environment. And so the problem is, and what we're up against in today's modern world, is that we're living in opposition to what we were uh, naturally designed to do. So many of us are, are indoors most of the day and then, you know, missing out on good amounts of natural light exposure throughout the day uh, that our bodies were, were designed to and expect to be exposed to. And then in the evening time, uh, you know, when we're supposed to have mostly darkness, we've kind of, I suppose you could say we've kind of created an artificial daytime. So with all these electronic devices uh, that we have now, uh, you know, whether it's our smartphones, our, our TV uh, and the computers and laptops and things like that. Uh, and, and these types of devices, they all emit this blue frequency of light. And, and as I just mentioned before, this is the type of light that we were designed to be exposed to in the daytime. And also from these devices, it's not natural blue light anyway. Um, so when we use these devices in the evening, uh, especially after dark, our bodies can actually detect that light and it's, it's basically detected through the retina in the eye uh, down to a nerve pathway uh, to a part of the brain in the hypothalamus known as the suprachiasmatic nucleus and that's where our circadian rhythms um, are regulated. So exposure to this blue light, not only throws out our throws our circadian rhythms out of balance, it also suppresses the production of our melatonin, uh, and then also what happens is our cortisol is increased, and melatonin and cortisol kind of work in tandem together. So when one is high, the other one is low, and you no know, cortisol is typically known as a stress hormone. Sorry, a stress hormone, but it also promotes wakefulness, and so that's what we don't want to. Have we don't want to have too high cortisol in the evening when we're trying to go to sleep. Uh, so I suppose like 
our landscape and our conditions of, of how we live and, and how we kind of sleep have really drastically changed and uh, our sleep cycles have, have been interfered with and, and so of like these regular biological functions that happen in our bodies and and I guess what what's happened is our bodies are a little bit confused whether it's nighttime or daytime and so it kind of sets the stage for what you could call uh, a circadian rhythm mismatch and and so these types of things I mean they can definitely be a contribution towards health issues in the future over time if you're someone that maybe has chronic sleep issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the whole artificial light and technology topic is one we're becoming a lot more aware of. But in terms of, you know, changing that, I think it's one of those simple but not easy type scenarios. You know, what can we do to minimise our exposure to artificial light and look after our natural rhythms and melatonin production? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it is, it's a bit tall order in, in our modern world today, um, especially just because a lot of us are kind of, we need, we, yeah, we're now at the point where we kind of need some of these things in our lives, whether we're doing work or whether it's just to be in contact or, or whatever it is. And so there's a few different things um, that people can do. So what, probably my, actually, I'll start with the one that pro- is probably the, the easiest and, and most likely for people to do. So there are actually blue light filter apps that you can install for free on your smartphone and on your laptop or your computer. So for the computer and laptop, um, there's a program called F.Lux. And what that does is you just you download it onto your computer and then you can basically select the time zone and the time of day um, where you are. And then you'll notice that in the evening once it, uh, it starts to turn dark, your, or- your screen will change from a blue light frequency to an orange light. And so that's really helpful. Uh, if you do need to stay up on your computer after dark uh, for, for whatever reason. Uh, and then on the on the iPhones, I know that uh, the newer iPhones have actually got a program called Night Shift uh, that's actually built in uh, that you can do the same thing. You just basically select what time uh, you want it to come on in the evening and then it will change your screen to an orange. And then on the Samsung, uh, which is one that I use, you can either uh, use the, the the app Twilight or there's another one called Blue Light Filter. Uh, but there's so many of them on there. And I suppose um, the fact that Apple has this night shift setting installed kind of shows the seriousness of it, that they're, they're really awake um, in regards to needing to, to get on top of this because so many people use their devices now. So that's one quick and simple and free one that people can do. Uh, one for me that's been a super game changer, and I actually really notice this when I uh, do have it as versus when I don't have it, is actually put some blackout curtains over my window. Uh, and that basically will stop the artificial light coming into to your room. And so um, our skin... Not we can't just detect uh, the blue light through our eyes, but our skin actually has photoreceptors, so um, can actually detect the light on your skin too. So this is why it's it's really handy to have those blackout curtains, and they don't have to be anything fancy. I've simply got a couple of um, cheap black bed sheets that I just tape up over my window, and I notice that my sleep quality is so much 
better when I do have them. Uh, and if you're someone that has, uh, you know, whether it's light coming from a neighbor's house or it's a street lamp outside your window, this strategy is super powerful for that. Uh, but perhaps if you're someone that doesn't really have to worry about that artificial light, like maybe you're living in a, in a bit more of a remote area and you've only got the, the natural light from the moon and the stars. Um, as I mentioned before, that's the type of light that we evolved with and our bodies don't have that same response at nighttime. So that's fine. Like you don't necessarily need to black it out, but that's a super powerful one as well. Um, and then the other thing I would say, which is quite simple, is once it gets dark, and I, I do this myself, is either dim the lights in the house or turn them off completely and use candles because, again, as I mentioned before, that orange spectrum candlelight, um, that's okay for us in the evening. And, and I guess it makes for a nice kind of ambient setting as well, you know, you kind of have this like routine and ritual in the evening of having candles on around the house. And, yeah, and um, maybe I'll, I'll mention one more. Uh, so this one is maybe a bit more of an esoteric one. So uh, many of you might have seen or, or maybe you haven't, they're blue blocker um, sunglasses uh, and they're basically, I mean, there's so many different types now. I think back in the day when I first started using them, you could only get ones that looked like you were a construction worker mm -hmm. or maybe you were something out of Star Wars or whatever it was. Um, but now you can actually get ones that more look more like sunglasses and they basically come with the orange lenses that, uh, have the same purpose they filter out that blue light um getting into your eyes so you can you can do that as well um and you can get them online i think over here in australia you can get them on optimos um and then you can also get them on ebay and and maybe some other sites as well yeah cool they're all great tips and i agree with you like the space around smartphones and certainly the amount of technology that we're all exposed to these days, it's great to see those those options because, you know, simply saying to someone, you know, not working after the sunset is surely going to be you yeah. know, not appropriate to the vast <laughs> yeah. majority of us. So, Absolutely. You know, I personally use Flux on my computer, um, yeah. which I really enjoy because I see clients till about 8 o'clock, two nights a week. So. Yeah. That really helps with, you know, my personal exposure. But the night shift mode on, on the smartphone is amazing cause, because you can really set the time as long as you like. So, you know, I think mine doesn't change until about 10 a.m. these days. Yeah, um, amazing. Which I much prefer yeah. because I find it just subtle when I'm on my phone in the morning and nothing too obnoxious while I'm still settling in. Yeah. Beautiful. And the glasses are a really interesting one. I haven't used them personally, but I've seen them a lot throughout, particularly the paleo space. Um, yeah. And certainly in one of our um, earlier podcasts, we spoke a lot about sympathetic dominance and the, you know, the impact that, that stress and technology has on our sympathetic nervous system. And certainly a lot of the tools in that um one of the tools in that space is certainly the block out glasses as well. So that's always yeah. another tool for someone that's having, you know, those sleep challenges. Yeah, definitely. And I know that for me, when I first started having my sleep issues, you know, four or five years ago, that was one of the first things I tried. And it kind of took me from not being able to get sleep. Uh, sorry, it took me from uh, waking up at 3 a.m., and then, uh, you know, then there were times where I wasn't even able to get to sleep, but I found that when I started using those glasses, I could actually fall asleep. So, but it, it obviously depends on different people, but definitely something to try if you've, you know, tried other things and, and it's not really helping. 
Yeah, for sure. So let's talk more about sleep quality versus quantity. Like, you know, what should we be aiming for and how do we define what is good sleep? Yeah, so I think quite often in our society we have this standard recommendation that most of us would have heard, so it's get eight hours of sleep a night. Uh, but I think that there's a, a bit of a, a something missing in that recommendation and, and that's to emphasise it's not just the quantity, it's the quality of that eight hours of sleep or however long it is because there's a huge difference between, say, someone getting uh, you know, six hours of, of good quality sleep where they perhaps they sleep through the night, uh, you know, there's no interruptions and then they wake up feeling really refreshed in the in the morning and they're ready to start their day and, and you know, they're, they're feeling great and, and, you know, they're energetic and that type of thing um, versus maybe someone that is, in, is getting sleep or is in bed for eight to ten hours but perhaps they, uh, it's a restful type of sleep, they keep waking, sorry, a, unrestful type of sleep they keep waking up throughout the night uh perhaps they uh they have a really hard time getting up in the morning they feel really lethargic and low energy uh and you know perhaps they they might even need coffee or something to get through the day so i think that quality factor is is super important and perhaps maybe even a better place to focus than than just the quantity uh and, yeah, in terms of knowing if you're getting good quality sleep, I mean, it's going to depend on each person. But I think just like so many other things, whether it's food or, or the type of movement that you do or, or you know, other maybe nature and things like that, um, you're, go- you're going to know how it feels. And so that first example that I mentioned, someone that sleeps throughout the night uh, quite you know, uninterrupted and they feel refreshed and ready and, and great in the morning, that's a really good indication of you know, you are getting that deep restorative sleep that you need. Uh, and if you're someone that is maybe more more so towards the, the second example of, you know, not feeling great when you get up in the morning, feeling really low energy, uh, there could be a number of things going on there and, you know, whether it's some kind of adrenal fatigue or, or whatever it is, but more than likely you're not getting that, that deep restorative sleep. And I know for me, as I go through uh, throughout my health journey, uh, yeah, I notice definitely um, how I feel as time progresses and as my my sleep is is improving and healing. So yeah, I think it's definitely how you're feeling um, is is a good indicator of, of yeah the type of uh, sleep quality that you're getting. Yeah, for sure, and certainly really important. You know, I think it's one of those things that. You know, certainly when I was younger, I used to be a sleep when you're dead kind of person. And I, I would wear that <laughs> as too. a badge of honor. Yeah. And now I'm like, no way. Like, I do not function if I don't sleep eight hours. Like, but the comment you made about coffee was quite interesting. Like, you know, yeah. we can say it quite flippantly, I think. But, yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of people that are like, what? Do you mean there are people that don't need coffee to wake up? Like, yeah, exactly. There's that kind of disconnect as well. So can you yeah. just talk a little bit more about that and why it is so negative and that that's probably the worst time to actually consume coffee? Yeah. So, look, caffeine, uh, for, it's depending on the source and also depending on the state of the person's health. I mean, there is a time and a place for it, but you shouldn't need to depend on something like caffeine, which is a stimulant, to, to get you through your day. You should be able to... Um, sleep sleep is one of these biological functions that 
you know, if if you get good quality night's sleep, should be able to just that alone should be able to help you get through the day. You shouldn't need this external source to to get you through the day. Um, and also, I mean, whether or not you have sleep issues, um, or if if you yeah if you do or if you don't, uh, no, caffeine is a nervous system stimulant, so it can you know, your nervous system can be ramped up for, you know, hours upon hours throughout the day. And if you're someone that is maybe having multiple cups because you uh, you feel like you need it, it's probably best to maybe try and look a little bit deeper as to see if there, if there is something else deeper going on. Like I mentioned before, maybe some kind of adrenal fatigue because you, you definitely shouldn't have that need for that. Um, but if you do, if you're someone that maybe, you know, coffee is your, if it's something that you do to just, you enjoy the taste of it, which for me, I probably drink coffee maybe once every two weeks. And if I do, it's definitely first thing in the morning, because if I have it any later than that, it's going to impact my sleep in the evening because my nervous system is still, you know, firing and uh, it makes it hard to sleep. But if you're someone that just does it purely for, you know, you enjoy, you enjoy the taste of it, then that's great. But when it becomes a dependency, yeah, amazing. It's been so fascinating speaking with you and um, we'll, I'm sure we'll have you back on the show again soon and I'll get all our listeners to head to the show notes to find um, certainly your website and social media pages to find out more. Thanks again and we'll talk to you soon. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.